The Carmichael Dave Show. He's on the microphone when he's not on the microphone. He's playing a song, and when he's not playing a song, he's on the microphone, and then boom! With Jason Ross. No, he didn't! Yes, he did! Call or text at 916-339-1140. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on Sacktown Sports. And brings it up the center of the floor. That by Holiday. He'll jack up the three and stroke it. Wow. Coming in cold. He stays red hot from deep. Ant drifts off the Anderson screen. Ant looking to drive. Spins in the lane. Top ball away with one hit. He threw it up. He threw it in. Ant's unstoppable. The Carmichael Dave Show. He's on the microphone when he's not on the microphone. He's playing a song, and when he's not playing a song, he's on the microphone, and then boom! With Jason Ross. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Call or text at 916-339-1140. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on Sacktown Sports. Brings it up the center of the floor. That by Holiday, he'll jack up the three and stroke it. Wow! Coming in cold, he stays red hot from deep. Ant drifts off the Anderson screen. Ant looking to drive, spins in the lane, top ball away with one hit. He threw it up. He threw it in. Ant's unstoppable. 38 points. Timberwolves lead by seven. Uh, Minnesota will be home tonight. Fans there are loving hearing Alan Horton, their radio voice, longtime radio voice, calls like that because it's a good time in Minnesota. The number one seed, Minnesota Timberwolves. Jason Ross here, now joined by Alan Horton here on our Folsom Lake Honda Hotline. Alan, good morning. How are you? Jason, that always gets me fired up hearing some of my own highlights and my team <laughs> doing well. It's uh, It's been a few years since, uh, since the Wolves were in this position. In fact, uh, you know, they really never have been in this position before. Even in the 04 uh, run to the Western Conference uh, Finals, uh, they had to win nine in a row to end the season to kind of gain that top spot over, I think, the Kings. Um, and so, you know, this is this is, the, the Wolves have been setting franchise records throughout the year. So it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. You know, and I, the highlights I chose, I did it on purpose because I wanted to ask you. This was back on November 6th, so early in the season. That was the Boston game at home. You guys won oh, in yeah. overtime. And, look, you guys have 42 wins. There's a lot of good wins uh, this season already. But that one, it was very early, but I went, ooh, wait a minute. What's going on with Minnesota? Like, that one caught my attention, and then the record kept going. Was that maybe one of those early nights where you go, hey, there might be something special here? That that one was electric right from the opening tip, and the Wolves came away with a win that night. Ant, you know, rose to the occasion against Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, um, and then I think the Wolves backed it up uh, later around Christmas when we went to Boston. They lost that game, but it was also in overtime, mm-hmm. um, and so the two best teams in the NBA have gone to overtime both times, and it's been really good games. But but you're right, that was a that was an early kind of barometer where you win that game and you, you you're like okay this you know we know boston is good they've got the track record um now can you can you play at this high level at a consistent rate and not have some letdowns against some lesser teams which is really the problem last year um you know they just couldn't beat the five worst teams in the nba there were about uh 10 losses in there between those five teams which is just you know sunk their season but you know, and I think you're right. That was a really big early season barometer against a really good team. So how did you guys go from 42 and 40, which there's nothing wrong with that last year, to 42 and 17 right now? What a drastic change. 
You know, I was thinking about this, Jason. I think it's kind of similar to what the Kings did last year, right? I mean, you guys jumped to the third seed after a, what, was a 30-something win the year before? Yeah. So, you know, there's this big jump that you have. You guys did it with offense. The Wolves have basically done it with defense. I mean, the Kings had that number one record-setting offense last year. Um, and the Wolves are on this incredible pace on the defensive end of the floor. They're, the gap between the number one defense and the number two defense is the greatest um, in the NBA since we started having play-by-play data, which was 28 years ago. So it's wow. really it, – that's how you can kind of judge how good a defense is because those numbers keep going up and up as offenses continue to rise every single year. But that gap between one and two, I think, shows you – how good the Wolves have been defensively. And it started with Rudy Gobert. Last year was, you know, this is what they were hoping for last season when they acquired Rudy Gobert. It didn't happen. It was a big adjustment for Rudy. He didn't play as well. He was a bit banged up to start the season. Cat missed 50-plus games with a, with a calf injury. It just all didn't come together. They didn't quite have the right group. At that point, they still had D'Angelo Russell as their starting point mm-hmm. guard. They jettisoned him at the trade deadline, got Mike Conley who has been an absolute savior, um, and they just locked him up for two more years. This guy is just – Jason, I can't I, – I, I've been in the NBA for 18 years now, 17 with Minnesota. I, I've just never come across another player quite like Mike Conley, what he brings on the floor, what he brings off the floor, how he brings his teammates together, how he is in the community, how he is with his family. Um, you know, it's he's just it, he's a very unique player in this league and a unique person as well. And he's made a huge difference. Yeah, it's so funny when, you know, obviously when the trade deadline happened last year, Alan, I mean, we had legends of the game move. I mean, we had Kyrie Irving going to Dallas, Kevin Durant to Phoenix. And those are all the kind of things that are going to catch headlines. Westbrook changes teams. These are guys that have been MVPs mm-hmm. or in conversation. And the Conley move, like, wasn't even talked about league wide. And and then once you see the results of it, and look, he's been a good player. He's been an all star. I, I can't think of a better fit in a trade where there's bigger yeah. names, but the fit was perfect for you guys. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And and D'Angelo Russell brings some different things. He's a different personality. It has different um, aspects to his game. And the Wolves, you know, needed something exactly opposite, which was Mike Conley, just someone who's a pass first, uh, get people involved, understands the game, understands what the coach wants him and his team to do. Um, and, and just the way he handles himself, it was a it was just a complete 180 and it was the perfect fit for the Timberwolves. It just it, it basically brought everything together. And another guy that was in that trade that was kind of a throw-in, and if, if nobody's talking about Mike Conley, uh, you're right, uh, all those big names moving around the trade deadline, then nobody was ever even mentioning Nikhil Alexander-Walker, yeah. who has turned into a super six-man, um, not only for his Canadian national team, but also for the Timberwolves. You know, I, you know I, I don't put too much stock. I don't go overboard on the defensive field goal percentage that the NBA keeps track of. When you hold the guy who's shooting against you to a low shooting percentage, I think there's a lot of kind of gray area in that. But it is what it is. He's ranked in the top five all season long. He's been unbelievable defensively. Um, He's arguably the the Wolves' best defender along with Jaden McDaniel. So the Wolves got really two key pieces in that deal and gave up just D'Angelo Ruddle. And they end up getting three second-round picks back, which they have since used a few of them to try to move up in the draft and get some other guys. But uh, a really good move pulled off by Tim Conley. We're talking with Alan Horton, the longtime radio voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves here on the Folsom Lake Honda Hotline. So you brought up the defense. Metrics-wise, they are number one in that gap, that separation that you talked about. Very significant. I say a lot of nights in the NBA because more nights than not, you're playing – you know, we see 135 to 131, 128 to – it's pretty common – 
Um, and I'm like, who is good defensively? Well, you guys are. So what is a what is a good Minnesota Timberwolves night of defense look like? It's just it's just making the opponents uh, basically miserable. You can see the body language change throughout the game when they just kind of get frustrated. Every shot is a difficult shot, and sometimes when you do get the open look. I think there's pressure on teams, extra pressure to knock those down because they realize it's so hard. Points are so hard to come by. Uh, the Wolves don't give up a lot of points in the paint. They're, they're in the top five in that category. They're, they've become a really good defensive rebounding team, not as good as the Kings who are number one, but um, they're limiting second-chance points. They don't allow teams to get out and fast break and kind of get some of those easy points, right? Fast break points, second-chance points, um, you know, shots at the rim, points in the paint. Those are easy points that gets offenses going. And when you don't get those and you force teams into contested mid-range or contested threes, uh, it can be a long night. I mean, sometimes you run into some hot shooting and teams are just flat out. Offenses are clicking and you can't stop them. But for the most part, the Wolves aren't playing those 120 and 130 point games. They're down at 100 or 110, which, you know, translate back to when we were going up, Jason. Those, mm-hmm. That's like in, in the 80s and 90 point yeah. games. You know, that's. That's how much the game has changed over the last couple of decades. Um, they've got really good defenders who just, they, Chris Finch says, they just flat out love to defend. I mean, it shows. Um, and, and their offense has not, it's been a middle-of-the-road offense all season. They've had some ups and downs where you think things are kicking in. Like right before the All-Star break, the Wolves had a great stretch um, of offense, but then the All-Star break hit, and, and that threw everything out of whack. Um, but they're reliant on their defense, and that's, that's what's carried them to this 42 wins so far. I know we're still, you know, several hours from tip-off for tonight, but uh, we're hearing word about Kyle Anderson maybe doubtful for tonight. Anthony Edwards, though, questionable. What do you have a status update on either of those two? Well, Ant hurt his ankle in the Tuesday night game against San Antonio, and he kind of uh, it was a non-contact injury. He kind of caught his toe on the floor and just twisted his own ankle. Had to come out of the game, but came back, played the second half, then he played again on Wednesday. Um, and so, you know, th- that's the tough part about the injury report is that. You know, teams will leave that injury on there just in case there's the 5%, 1%, 8% chance that, (laughs) you know, something acts up um, and they've got that to fall back on. Because if you take that off and then all of a sudden right before the game, somebody tweaks, you know, re-injures it, it wasn't on, you you are now at risk for getting a, who knows how, $20,000, $50,000. I know that's not a lot to guys like you and me, Jason, but, you know, for the team, (laughs) they care about that kind of stuff. And so uh, sometimes it's on there more for precautionary. I would expect Anthony Edwards to be, suiting up now Kyle's injury did keep him out last game and so he is um, I think he was upgraded to doubtful so um, you know we'll see where he's at one of the things I would say probably a lot of people when they look at the Timberwolves and see what their record is and they certainly have to acknowledge how I mean and as tough as the top 10 in the West have been everybody above 500 I think people would point to Allen when they get to the postseason how dangerous are they because of lack of experience is that a fair uh, a fair point to bring up on Minnesota, or what would be your pushback on that? Yeah, I, no, I think it's absolutely fair. You know, it's interesting to see, and I don't know if you guys went through this last year with the national attention. Um, you know, you, 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 all of a sudden, Timberwolves fans are loving life, right? They're in the number one Western spot, and they don't get on Christmas, and they're not mm-hmm. talked about on TNT. Stephen A. Smith isn't blabbering about them on uh, <laughs> on First Take and all those kind of shows. And they say, hey, where's our talk? Where's our talk? Well, be careful what you wish for because they don't know anything about Minnesota. They haven't been following it. All they did was rip the Rudy Gobert trade from two years ago and said it can't work. And so when they do start to talk about you, that's what they say. They say, you know, we'll have to see in the postseason. How, you know, last time we saw Rudy in the playoffs, you know, he got played off the floor and the Clippers, you know, a couple of years ago came back and, and beat the Jazz with that unbelievable second half in which Rudy was just running all over the floor and got exposed. 
Uh, but he didn't have the kind of defense that he has around him now. But I think all those all those things are fine, and Chris Finch will, will embrace this as well. Yeah, you know, we, they have to approve it in the postseason, and, and there might be some questions. Um, I don't know if it's experience because I think the last two years the Wolves have, have played really competitive first-round series. They lost to Denver in five games last year, six games to Memphis the year before that, and they're bringing in Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert, who have plenty of playoff experience. So I think the experience is there. I think it's all going to matter about the matchup and and how the Wolves fare against you know whoever it might be. It could be the Kings in the first round. Um, it might be Denver in the second round. It's it's you know there's some there's some really good teams, and it's gonna you know the, the regular season is the regular season. You can get by only facing you know Denver four times a year because um, that means you got you know 78 games against other teams. But when you get locked into that seven game series, now everything's on the line. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting. I think matchup will de- will will depending on what the team is will dictate more of the Wolves' success than anything. And obviously, you guys have had more success basically than anybody in the West at forty two and seventeen amongst the West that you could play. Like, is there one that matchup wise that you've maybe seen more of a trouble for the Timberwolves? I don't. I you know it's so funny. We've been focusing so much on uh, the top four and finishing in the top four and, and looking at the you know it's just it's been this battle for a couple of months with Oklahoma City and Minnesota and the LA Clippers are faltering a little bit and Denver's coming on strong. So we've been kind of been focused on that top four and just making sure the Timberwolves have um, at least a first round home playoff series. Um, and I haven't looked too far down the standings of uh, what kind of a matchup might work best. I mean, tonight will be telling because um, Sacramento and Minnesota split the first two meetings. They yeah. each won on the other's home floor. Um, you know, the Wolves took three out of four last year from the Kings. Uh, but I thought one of the really impressive performances was when Sacramento came to Minnesota earlier in the year. The Wolves were flying high. Sacramento was on the second of a back-to-back, and they just played spectacularly. I thought I, I was really impressed with the way Mike Brown had that group flowing because that was that was a really good win, I thought, for the Kings. Yeah, and you know it's been a little bit of a strange year here, kind of what you said. I think there's a lot of parallels where the, the Kings fans have a little bit of that, um, hey, talk about us, but then when you're not talking about, you know, it, it, kind of like they want right. more attention, more love, and then when they get it, they're not sure. saying the, the right things about the Kings, and the Kings have basically the same record as a year ago, but they were the three seed. Now they're kind of scratching and clawing right there around eight. So it just shows you how much better the West is this year. It's unbelievable. And, and you know, the, you, your offense quite, isn't quite where it was last year, but the numbers are pretty similar to what they did last year. It's just mm-hmm. that the rest of the league has just gotten, you know, saw that the, what the Kings were doing and say, hey, we got we to gotta juice up our offense, too, to compete. It's, um, it's crazy how good – um, some of these teams are and it's just um yeah it's it's you know the national people you, you be careful what you wish for like mm-hmm. i said because also they haven't been focusing in and they can't actually talk about how good anthony edwards has been this year or carl anthony towns accepting his role or rudy gobert and what he's doing defensively how he's deterring shots um he deters shots that people don't even want to take because they dribble into the paint they look at the big man they say i'm out of here this guy's blocking two and a half shots a game and um I'm, you know we can get a better look and then next thing you know that shot clock has expired so they don't have the expertise on the actual team and i'm sure it was like that in sacramento last yeah. year where they're just uh, well they have to prove it to us in the postseason and that's because that's what you default you don't you don't know anything more to talk intelligently about how good the team has been what do you see if we're three years from now four years from now for a guy like anthony edwards who already has just blossomed and is just a terrific young player i think he's what 22 still um, Still 22. Man, I mean, where where is he going to be, Allen, in, in three years, let's say, from now? 
Well, if you graph his, his development right now, it'd be a straight line, a diagonal line of improvement every single year. I mean, his numbers have gone up. It was in, it, it, starting this year, you know, his first three years, all his points, his rebounds, assists, his blocks, his shooting numbers from two, from three, from the free throw, they've all gone up every single year. This guy is just relentless in his um, determination to be one of the best players in this league. And he, he has added things to his game that are very similar to Michael Jordan. Um, and if you're going to try to emulate someone, I guess, in this game, that's a pretty good uh, person to pick. I mean, Michael, Kobe, whoever you want, but Ant's even wearing the, the kind of the, uh, the wristband that's up around his elbow, like uh, on his forearm where MJ used to wear it. Um, Ant has picked up this mid-range turnaround bank shot off the glass that Michael would, <laughs> would do so often. And Kobe, of course, adopted that shot as well. Um, he, he, I don't know where he can end up because it's just – it's been incredible. And, Jason, there are times in the game where the Wolves will build a big lead, and then he starts to try to bank in threes. I mean, that's <laughs> where he's at this game. Like, that makes me a little nervous. He has, we, and he, he knows they haven't accomplished anything. He's got the right mindset. But in those games, even up by 20, uh, he, he has said he's going he's gonna to start shooting left-handed. He's going to start banking oh in threes. Uh, that's also a sign that Chris Finch is like, okay, you're done. You're, you're, <laughs> this game is over. Uh, you're coming to the bench. But um, – it's 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 amazing and of course he's got this such electric dynamic personality where every time he talks to the media it's just you're just in, in, engrossed in what he is saying because he's just he's just got this great young personality that just kind of bubbles through it's um it's it's been incredible and i mean the the, the improvement in his game is remarkable and it's scary to think of where this team is going I'd be curious, Alan, too, that in the general area, their choices, you got lots of other opportunities out there from college teams to the Vikings and the Twins, different parts of the year. Where are the T-Wolves kind of landing now in the sports landscape of people in your area? Yeah, starting to starting to make their mark. Um, it's been a rough, uh, let's see, decade, two decades. It's um, <laughs> You know, the playoffs were a good taste the last couple of years, but I tell you what, and, and I think you guys can probably, Kings fans can probably relate to this, when you when you get ownership and you get um, you get your front office in line, you get the right coach in here with the right uh, culture building, uh, and then you get the right players. It all kind of flows in, in 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 sort of this in this circle, right? Like it's this is the best the, the front office has been and most stable. The coaching staff as well. The the culture is just at a point that I've never seen before. There's no drama with players with coaches. There's really no infighting. There's no there were there's just no there's no kind of drama that we that we saw last year quite frankly when Jaden McDaniels is punching a wall and breaking his ham in the final game of the regular season when when Rudy Gobert is punching Kyle Anderson in the chest during a timeout wow. there's none of that this year and that's really amazing that I think it goes to Chris Finch's um, leadership is how they've been able to move on from that like that's not something like we come to blows. I don't know. I mean, you punch me, Jason, or I punch you. I think we're, we're, it might take a little while to figure things out. Um, especially when you're dealing with, with hard headed, successful people like NBA players are, uh, but they've moved past that. And those guys are really tight now. And, um, you know, that, that camaraderie is kind of shine through. So fans are starting to show up in droves. Uh, home games are now, you know, on a Tuesday night in February. Um, when the temperature is 10 below outside, Ugh. you know, the lower, you know, things are packed now as opposed to, you know, maybe five or 7,000 people not showing up because of the weather and because of the way the team is playing. Um, and it's only building towards uh, this crescendo in the postseason. Uh, that, that, I, I want to go back really quickly on that point you made. I forgot about that Gobert and, and Anderson incident. And, 
You're right, because I think personally out here that that completely derailed the Warriors last year. I mean, I know they still got to the playoffs and beat the Kings, but mm-hmm. I, I just knew that the, the internally the Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, something was going to yeah. have to change, and they moved on from Jordan Poole, and whatever, they, they moved on with themselves. But for those guys to stay on the same team, still be on the team this year, and thriving, that, that says a lot about them and how everything was handled. Yep, it's um, it, it really is this culture of of of, of, uh, of just kind of winning and everybody on the same page. And when players see that from the coaches, and coaches see that faith from the front office, it all kind of flows together. And I like to think the radio guy kind of holds it all together. That's the glue that kind of meshes all those things together. I can confirm that, Alan. I can confirm <laughs> it. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck on the call tonight and certainly uh, in the postseason. I mean, that's nice to say. Like sometimes, well, you got to get there. When you're 42 and 17, you're getting there. That's a nice spot to be in. Yeah, I think I, I think I looked at Basketball Reference and saw the playoff. I, I've been looking at that occasionally, but uh, I try not to look at it. But it, it kind of shows a hundred percent when you get to this. <laughs> you know, and it's been there for about a month or so. But I, I'll I'll still yet to believe it. But you know, they've they've already tied their win total from all of last year. You know, yeah. forty two and forty now forty two and seventeen. It's just been um, it's kind of a little mind boggling. And sometimes you don't step back and kind of look at it and appreciate it because you're the team is in that grind you know they yeah. it, the, the record doesn't matter because they've got to practice the next day then a shoot around then a game then we're on a flight then you got to shoot around then you're getting some sleep and that you know you're just in this in this routine um and so sometimes it's you, you do not look back and step back from a second and just realize holy cow got a one game lead over the thunder we're top yeah. of the west it's it's just been it's been remarkable well that's probably it right boston's got an eight game lead they're going to win the east where you guys i mean you're getting pushed thunder are there the nuggets the yeah. champs are a game and a half back so you guys have to keep going i think that's a good spot to be oh. in i mean yeah that's it's there's a lot for being 42 and 17 it feels like there's a ton of pressure because if you have a bad week you could be you could be out of the top four well maybe you know get to that four spot yeah um, you could you could drop really fast if you drop a game or two. Yeah. Well, uh, best of luck tonight, Alan, and the rest of the way. We really appreciate your time and uh, keep up the great work. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. That's uh, Alan Horton joining us there on the Folsom Lake Honda Hotline. What a spot to be in for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. There's some there's some jealousy there, some envy of what they've got going. Why not? Forty two and seventeen. I mean, forty two and forty last year to forty two and seventeen. But again, sticking with it, kind of had a plan identified the core players. Is this a common theme we've been talking about? I know everybody always wants to constantly change teams, and you need to. I mean, you can't just say, hey, it's always going to be fine. There were some subtle tweaks in there along the way, and I think the big one really was Mike Conley, and he said it. They drafted Anthony Edwards. They knew he was the piece. They already had Towns. He's very important to what they're doing. The trade for Gobert. All right, let's get it all sorted out. Finding the nuance of a guy like Kyle Anderson, Jaden McDaniels, important role players there. Um, and then what he talked about getting Mike Conley is kind of that finishing piece of what he has meant, his leadership, his just professionalism, his likability, what he does in the community, what he does for the team, is, and also as a player. Look, he's a good player. And so uh, Minnesota's good. This is a really good basketball team, and um, he's so right. And uh, the parallels of what maybe Minnesota, OKC, New Orleans, I think Sacramento, all of us kind of go through – is it happened again today? Like, again, I think it was just a segment ago. While Allen was on, they were talking about, you know, better chance of advancing the Warriors of the Lakers. They are team 9 and 10. 9 and 10. The Lakers are 10 games back of Minnesota. The Warriors are 10 and a half back of Minnesota. They're not catching the Timberwolves. 
But because they're one, the smaller market, because we haven't seen them do it, we, we don't talk about them at all. I mean, I get maybe the Kings as the eight. New Orleans are currently the six. But OKC is two and Minnesota is one. Why aren't they getting more attention? Number one defense. That metric was interesting what Allen said too. I did not realize the gap from them is the number one defense to the number two is larger than any other spot in offense, defense around the league. So they've established an identity. And in a league that doesn't have a lot of great defensive players and or teams, if that's what you're building your your team on as a middle, like they're doing it opposite than a lot of teams. They've got the number one defense in a middle of the road offense. And that's worked. And we all know, seemingly, defense has a bigger impact come postseason time. I know the saying defense wins championships. I think there's some truth to that. Obviously, you've you, you got to have some sort of offense and some great defensive players to do all that in any sport. But good for Minnesota for kind of sticking with a plan, identifying a plan, going through with it, and uh, turning that into the biggest opportunity that they possibly can. So the Minnesota Timberwolves and Sacramento Kings meet for the third and final time tonight. I think, I think that's right. They don't play again here, I don't believe. So I think it's one of the teams the Kings play three times. And they've split so far with the Kings getting one of their better wins, as Allen said, in Minnesota. And Minnesota getting the win here a few weeks back or several weeks back. I think the big difference in that one, too, Jaden McDaniels was available. And he makes a difference. Yeah, this is the last time these two teams play. Even looking at Minnesota's schedule, um, they, they've handled basically everybody. The one to watch, I think, going to the end, they played Denver three more times. So Denver can still get to the spot that they want if they if they get that done. Then that will be fun to watch um, guys like Gobert and Towns against Nikola Jokic. All right, still to come on the show, we've got who's hot and who's not. We'll have a three in the key for the Kings and Timberwolves for tonight. But when we come back, kind of going off what Alan said and certainly something Sam Amick said yesterday when he joined us. And again, if you ever miss anything from any of our shows, any interviews that you look forward to, like that one we just had with Alan, you can go back to our podcast page on sacktownsports.com and listen at your own convenience whenever you'd like. But Sam Amick yesterday talked about, when we were talking about the West and certainly about the Kings, he said basically he thinks the Kings are good, not great, not a team that's feared. And if you go back to last year, remember Golden State, there was a lot of talk that the Warriors and others wanted to get to the sixth seed because everybody kind of wanted Sacramento. The philosophy was, hey, look, they're new at this. They got a great offense. Wonder about their defense, but their lack of experience. I don't know how many teams are trying to get to eight to face Minnesota. I don't know how many teams are trying to get to seven to face OKC. But Sam talked about the Kings not being feared. Are they feared? Should they be feared? And who is in the Western Conference? We'll discuss that when we come back here on Sacktown Sports. Black and purple. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on your local sports leader, Sacktown Sports. Looking at footage up here on uh, what is that uh, first take of Tom Brady filming himself being timed in the forty-yard dash, probably here recently. But he is, he outran his 22 year old self from the combine. 
the the thing that stood out to me, and I think it was I don't even remember what he ran in the combine, Chris, but we were watching the footage of him at the combine. I think the combine was like five two. <laughs> was it really? Yeah. Okay. Um look, everybody runs differently or whatever. Like and there's some people that just run where it looks like they're giving an all out effort. It looked like he was just slightly more than jogging. He looked. What's weird is he looked older back then. Back then than he did now. He looked like the dad at the company picnic playing football with the kids. Yeah, but like kind of athletic, but not like. Yeah, you're like, eh, he probably played something in his day, but you know, running for the first time in months or something. And also the shorts were, and shirt like oversized, very baggy. Everything you know. Long knee length. You said it looks like he's wearing khakis. It does. Yeah. Um, and then yesterday, you know, his his shirt's more tight, form fitting, and he's right. You know, he he looks great. And I believe that he ran better. Does Rich Eisen still run? Remember how he runs the forty? Oh yeah. In a, like a suit, he was doing that for a while. Was it he? Was, did he get hurt or was it, um, Darren Ravel? <laughs> Probably Darren Ravel. Darren Ravel looked like. He, he looked like an alien that just heard what running was 15 <laughs> seconds before he started. Who was he? Was he guarding somebody one-on-one or like yes. a celebrity game that he looked really awkward in? Yes. Let me find that. Yeah, because I would – oh, man. There's something that stands out about that. And when you when you find that video, I, I don't remember exa- – I can't put my finger on what it was. But I think once you find the video, you'll know for sure. Uh, welcome back here to the show. Thanks again to all of you joining us here. Happy Friday. Jason Ross, Christopher Laud with you. Carmichael Dave is on the mend, feeling better. Hopefully he's back with us um, next week, maybe Monday or Tuesday. Who knows as uh, he continues to to feel better. Kings are in action tonight. We'll have Brendan Nunez, our Sacktown Sports Kings insider, joining us to start uh, the next hour. Plenty to discuss with with Brendan as well as the Kings you know, we are in a spot whether or not De'Aaron Fox is going to play tonight, whether or not they can handle this Minnesota Timberwolves team. Um, did you find it yet, Chris? I see one. From, he played Big Cat from Barstool, but I don't know if that's the one. Okay, but there's something. like I feel like he's doing like some sort of like. He's really crouched down. Yeah, and but like even like hunched and like <laughs> yes. has like an arm. Like it's like, wait, what are you? What are you doing? Are you um, acting or are you are you trying to defend somebody? It's just a weird, weird look. Yeah, it might be the barstool guy. I don't know. But something embarrassing happened in that clip. I don't remember what it was. Um, it might be a couple because I found one of him with Kristaps Porzingis. And what is he doing? He's, he's the... Yeah, he's just, <laughs> ah, I'm going to get you. <laughs> I'm going to get you. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, all right, so yesterday when Sam Amick was on, I asked him, you know, just kind of who he thought amongst all the stuff that could come out of the West, kind of poking fun at the national shows for saying, you know, the Lakers and the Warriors. And, you know, to be honest, if they're there, they got a chance. But they haven't played like that kind of team for the bulk of the year, whereas Minnesota, OKC, even now Denver and the Clippers have have established that separation, have looked like some of the best teams in basketball. We know Phoenix has capabilities, New Orleans, Dallas, Sacramento, the, the whole list. But Sam's kind of thought was on the Kings, and I think it was fair. I don't think he was, you know, there's anything wrong with his comment. And he said, the way I look at the Kings and look at them as a good team, but a team that, you know, might be in the play-in, might get a first-round series, but de- unless it's a completely perfect matchup, probably doesn't have much of a life past that and, and is truly not a team that is feared. And I got to thinking about that, and I, I don't think Sam's wrong by any means. I don't know that anybody would look at Sacramento and go, 
that is a team we can't beat four times out of seven. Now, I'm sure the Kings are going to have that same philosophy, but there isn't a genuine fear of Sacramento. And maybe the fear last year, if there was one, was, man, this offense is so good. That pace is so tough to handle. Uh, We could probably exploit some weaknesses defensively, but if they shoot well and and get playing at their pace and their terms, that, that will be a tough team to beat. Whereas this year, you've got guys that are playing well, like Keegan's better. De'Aaron Fox is having a good year. DeMont's is having an amazing year, but it doesn't quite feel the same as far as even an element of fear slash respect on the Kings. But who else would you be afraid of? And if me, as I look at this, I was a little surprised that Sam thought a team like the team he was looking at to come out of the West was a team like OKC. He just really believes in what they're doing, offense, defense, um, and maybe unfair. I went to kind of the lack of experience as an angle because I haven't seen it before doesn't mean they can't do it I know the Kings have played them well and and I get influenced by the times I see teams in person and when I've seen OKC in person I see pieces that I like but I haven't I haven't personally been wowed by them but when you're 41 and 18 you're doing some amazing things I was not that high on Minnesota at all last year at all Um, now that they've formed what they've got the addition of Conley and just even the other pieces around and, and really locked into an identity of a defensive team they're a problem. Anthony Edwards just keeps getting better. Edwards and Gobert have kind of figured out their routine. And so they're a team, I think, that should be shown respect. I still have probably the appropriate amount of fear for Denver and the Clippers. And after that, I think the Phoenix Suns are beat up. And, and maybe that's why where the standings are. I still think there should be more league-wide concern about the Pelicans for me. I think they showed last year when they were healthy, they were the one seed, and then all of a sudden they completely fell apart. We know what they've done to the Kings, right, this year. We personally here see the four convincing wins that they've had. I think that's a good team. And I think if they kind of get right, I think they could get to the conference finals. I really do. I like New Orleans' makeup. I Of, of those other teams like Dallas, I see flaws. I see flaws in Phoenix. Even the Lakers and Warriors that are further down, and the top four are all pretty good. But I think of that next group, I think New Orleans is pretty good, is pretty solid all the way through. Maybe they don't have that elite, elite superstar, but Zion, you know, we are ready to make him that. Ingram is really good. Valanchunas, the depth, the role players, the length off the bench, the defenders, the shooters. Home court's not that daunting, but I think they're good. I think that's a team to watch out for if it falls in the right way so I I don't know that if you're the Kings you should ever fear anyone but the fact that kind of that that was the label that Sam put on him I think is is probably right about the Sacramento Kings and the only way to change that is to start playing better is to become the closest version of the team they think they can become a better defensive team with that supreme efficient paced high octane offense and the offense at times has been pretty good, but it's a lot like the whole year. There's there's times in all of this where the defense has been better, where the starting five has looked really good, where they've looked like they could beat anybody. There's times. Not enough of them. And then there's the times where we all get frustrated and go, man, why did they lose by that many points? Why did they lose to that team? Why was the setup in their favor and they lost yet again? Tonight, not necessarily in their favor. This will be a tough one. We'll see what they do against the Timberwolves. We've got more on that coming up. Remember, in our final hour, we will have Brendan Nunez, our Sacktown Sports insider, also 
Friday fun and games. All that is coming up in our final hour. But next, let's uh, ask the question of who's hot and who's not. Also, we'll re uh, we'll not recap. We'll have a prediction for our three in the key for the Kings and Timberwolves game tonight. We'll do all that and so much more straight ahead here on Sacktown Sports. What's hot? Yeah, hot. Real hot. And what's not? It's not good. Brought to you by American Energy Heating and Air, Sacramento's complete heating and cooling company and second opinion partner. Who is hot? Christopher Lott, who's hot? Wemanyaya. Who? Wemanwa. Wait, wait. Victor Wemanyama. Don't we have a sounder for Victor Wemanyama? Maybe. Because every time we talk about Victor Wemanyama, we say... Wemanyaya? Whoa, what? <laughs> Is he hot? This month, he has had 50-plus assists, 45-plus blocks, 25-plus made threes, and 20-plus steals. No one in the history of the NBA has ever done that in one month. And it's probably not going to be the last time he does it either. No. All right. Give me those numbers again for the month. 50 or more assists, 45 or more blocks, 25 or more threes, and 20 or more steals. Okay. I was trying to do that. We just bragged about Sabonis earlier, averaging a triple-double for the month. So uh, check on the assists. Easy. How many or more blocks? Uh, 45. How many is your guess of blocks for the month for Sabonis? How many games have the Kings played? One, Probably two, three, 12. 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Okay, so I would say... So he had how many did he have? Four, more than 45, but did he have 45? No. I would say 10. 10? No, how many did Victor have? Oh, uh, I don't... Jeez, you're asking me these questions that I don't know. Well, I know you said he had 45 <laughs> or more. Uh, that's okay if you don't know. Um, you said 10 for Sabonis? Yes. In half. He had five. <laughs> Five blocks. All right, what was the next thing he did? Uh, 25 or more threes. Okay, let's do a guess on Sabonis. What do you think? I'm going to say three. Four. Oh. Okay. And then what was the other one? 20 or more steals. Okay, what's your guess? I'm going to say three. I uh, had 14. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, well, he did average the triple-double, but what Victor Webinyama is doing, and I mentioned it. I forgot to bring this up. I had mentioned uh, the night that he was here. Uh, he almost did the 5-by-5 five five game, which hasn't happened that much in the history of the league. The very next night, he did it, uh, where it's five or more points, which he's always going to get that. Five or more rebounds. Got it. Five or more assists. Cool. Five or more steals and five or more blocks. The 5-by-5 five five games hadn't happened since 2019. I mean, in four or five years, he might even like average something like that. Oh, he's going to do that all the time. He's yeah. going to have, I bet, 100 of those in his career. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Because the points and rebounds in the bag every yes. night and probably close to the assists. I think he actually missed it the night on assists. It's whether he can get the five steals. Five blocks won't be that you know, unheard of. So, man. Okay, so yeah, he would be hot. And they got a win, a surprise win over OKC yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's not? Well, we said the other day that the Washington Wizards needed to go to L.A. and win so that they could avoid going winless for the month. <laughs> they were tied. They went to overtime. But they lost to the Lakers 134-131. to 131. That is their... 
eleventh loss in a row. They are nine and fifty on the oh. season for the worst record in the NBA. On a team after uh, in a league where the team that had the worst losing streak in the history of the league doesn't have the worst <laughs> record anymore. Detroit's it's like, terrible. yes, it's not us. Oh my goodness! Uh, you know who had a good game last night? Let me see what he's been doing lately. Was uh, was former number two pick of your Sacramento Kings, Marvin Bagley? At least statistically, his uh, grand grandfather, uh, Marvin Bagley the third. Oh, yeah. got you. Well done. Um. Oh wow! Let me look at this. Oh, that's when he's. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I just come across something that I did not realize. Okay. Holy moly. All right. Marvin Bagley. Let's start with what I was talking about last night. 23 points. That's fine. Four rebounds and assists, two blocks. He had 20 the game before against the Warriors. I did not realize this, Chris. My goodness. All right. So Marvin Bagley's year. This is just Marvin Bagley. I'm going to need a second to count. Um, and I could probably do this quickly here. So he's, he started with the Detroit Pistons. Uh-huh. He's now on the Washington Wizards. <laughs> so this is what hit me. I'm looking at his. So these are games he's played. His game log, not the two teams combined. In November, he was 2-2. Two and two. Not things bad. Were, things were good. In, I'm sorry, that was October. He was 2-2. Two and two. Now let's go to November. This is part of the streak for the T uh, for the Pistons. Oh, for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Oh, for fourteen, and he lost the last game in October. So he's lost fifteen in a row. But does it get better? Uh, no. Let's go to December. Oh, for one. Oh, for two. Oh, for three. Oh, for four. Oh, for five. Oh, for six. So now we're at twenty-one losses in a row. His last two games that he played in January for Detroit. Lost. Is that 23? Now he goes to the Wizards. Loss, 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 loss. That's 29 in a row. Then he won two. And now they're on the losing streak of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So he has four wins this year. That's wild. He's got to have like... The, he's got to have the longest losing streak as a player, right? I would think so. Like, <laughs> let me see, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38. Four and 38 is Marvin Bagley. He also was with the King. Like, he might have the worst win-loss percentage of any player, like, in recent memory. I mean, to go from the Kings in some lean years – to the worst Pistons team ever, well, at a time, and then now the Wizards. Yikes. Yikes. Okay. Well, anyway. Stinky! Yes, indeed. All right, it's that time. Let's make some predictions for tonight. That means it's time for Three in the Key. Me and you, Chris, on this one. All right, we're going to do a little combo on this first category. We are looking for the first 
and last made baskets tonight for your Sacramento Kings. So who will hit the first one? Who will hit the last one? I'm going to go with Harry Barnes and the last one will be by Trey Lyles. I'm going to say Keegan Murray Mm -hmm. and Malik Monk. Murray and Monk, first and last. All right, now we're looking for two guys in the starting lineup that it's kind of hit or miss for Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herter. So we're looking at those two individuals. Point totals for Barnes, point totals for Herter. So for Barnes and Herter, for Harrison Barnes, I got him for a solid 11. And for Herter, I have him for 14. I've got 12 for Barnes and 18 for Herter. Oh, for Red Velvet. And last... But certainly not least, <laughs> let's not call Barnes Harry, please. Okay. Um, random stat. Something different, something odd, something weird that might happen. Chris called his last one, said that Keegan Murray would catch a body. He certainly did that. It was one of the better dunks of the year. And I know he went over to the bench. I, maybe when they get back, we'll find out. Because Malik is like the resident dunk grader. He said something to Malik that totally broke him up in laughing. So I don't know what Keegan would have said there, but... Uh, curious about that. Oh, great that one. <laughs> yeah. Great that one, you. Um, Trey Lyles is my random stat. He will be the bench's leading scorer tonight. I'm going to say Kevin Herter will have four threes or more, maybe six to get that 18. I know. I was thinking, you know he's not getting to the free throw line. Herter, four or more threes. Okay. There we go. We've made our predictions for tonight. Maybe we'll include Brendan when he comes in here. He'll be in here for our Next segment in the final hour, we'll lead things off with him, get a lot more on the Kings. Kind of are they that team that's feared, and seemingly they're not, which I get, and how can they get there, or can this team still get there? What's the latest going on uh, with De'Aaron Fox uh, as well? Because um, Sacramento is, I had said this before, after today, today's game in Minnesota, for what it's worth, I do think the schedule softens up a bit. Far more games at home. We deem that as softening up. The Kings haven't been as good at home as I would have liked, but they have an open weekend. Next week's schedule is Chicago at home on Monday at Golden 1. They play at Lakers, which is seemingly now a pretty big game Wednesday in Los Angeles. Remember, the Lakers getting ever so close to the Kings. And then back home for a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6-game homestand with San Antonio and Victor Webanyama here on the second night of a back-to-back followed by a couple days off, and then Houston. So the week ahead has Chicago, L.A. at L.A., the Lakers, San Antonio, and Houston. Some teams that are three teams of the four below 500, and a Laker team that's really up and down. It's kind of the night you get them. Like last night, the Lakers got through the Wizards, but they needed overtime to do it. And, you know, the Lakers can show you some good moments, but they really have been up and and down. The Kings have played them well this year and played them well, I would say, in recent years. But we'll see how that goes. There's still that really, really weird stat that's out there that DeMontis Sabonis is, I want to say now, 9-0 lifetime against Anthony Davis, which is bizarre, but it, it still counts. It's a stat when you're looking for metrics that you know benefit a player over another. Like if we're talking about all NBA teams down the line, is it Sabonis or AD? Some are going to pick AD for his combo of offense and defense. Sabonis' offensive numbers and overall well-rounded game have been ridiculous that would be superior to a guy like um anthony davis but that'll that'll be something that'll be 
judge. But I, the point being is after tonight, the road games the Kings have left after tonight, you have the Lakers, there's just eight. Toronto, Washington, Orlando, and another uh, three-game trip out east in the middle of March and the beginning part of uh, April, they go to New York, Boston, Brooklyn, and OKC. That one will be pretty tough too. But um, more home games, some below 500 teams. The Kings are 15-5 and five against teams below 500. We know the games they've let slip up. Uh, slip up, but they can't have that happen anymore. And which on a night-to-night basis, which we'll also do that later on in the next hour of the other games to watch from the top 10. There could be some benefit for the Kings tonight in the standings, but it's first and foremost, can they take care of their own business and beat a team like the Minnesota Timberwolves? All right, we will step aside here. Good of business. Where did that one come from? Oh, take care, take care of, business. of business. Got it. I was like, wait, we didn't talk. We didn't Work- mention our guy Kelly Brothers. Working overtime. Yes. Uh, when we come back in our final hour, like we said, we all have Friday fun and games, what to watch. But next, Brendan Nunez, Sacktown Sports Kings insider, will join us. That is coming up here on Sacktown Sports.